Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome to the Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm joined today by my beautiful co-host, Julie Fudge-Smith. And first and foremost, Julie and I would like to extend our greatest congratulations to Stephanie Kern and David Teague in their recent engagement. Yay! Um, Stephanie is a, has been a guest on the podcast previously, and we just want the whole world to know that there's awesomely more love in the world and that we give our blessing to the, to the beautiful union. So exciting news. It's nice to have some good news. It is so good to, to have good news. I, I like that. Good to have good news. I like good news. So um, Julian and I were, were casting about trying to figure out what we were going to talk about on the podcast today. And Julie said, Hey, the whole dog journal is talking about flea prevention. Let's talk about that riveting <laughs> topic. So we're going to chat with you today about flea prevention and why it's important and that it might be important for reasons you hadn't thought of before. Um, I'm crazy to hear about the scabies angle. Oh, no. So, okay. I would say the scabies is a separate article from the flea thing. Oh man! So, I know. Well, we could. I oh. didn't read the scabies article, but we could. That's sarcopic mange. Yes, the scabies is mange. Yes, um, yes. Which when I was probably twelve, I, we, I believe, we picked up sarcoptic mange from a rescue in our family, and our whole family got scabies, and that was super awesome. And I'm itching just talking about it. So anyway, so okay, but okay, it is it can be it's 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 yet another arachnid. It's mites that cause this. Oh, excellent. Yay so, for mites. Yeah, I can talk about the difference between insects and arachnids because that's a big point for and, me. And the good news is I can just tag out of that complete conversation. But <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Flea prevention, and it looks like maybe even some like what to do if you see one. Yes, like um, if you see a a flea, I can tell you that in very short order there will be thousands of fleas. There will so, be more fleas. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So we can I'm talk about that. People, I'm I'm one of those people who's richly blessed that fleas think I am delicious. So. If I go, well, back pre-COVID, when I went into people's homes, if there was a flea in the neighborhood, it found me and bit the snot out of me. And then I get all itchy. It's super fun. So I can boldly say we do not have fleas in this house because I don't, like, I'm like the early warning system because they think I'm awesome. Boy, I'm apparently very lucky. sweet. Yeah. Well. Yes, lucky me. I can also say, so when we bought this property the entire backyard was like fern gully it was an impenetrable jungle of wisteria and privet and so we hired a company we leased goats on on the property for 30 days to eat off all of the brush and it was awesome i love goats christopher does not like goats but it was i i had a very good time watching goats but <laughs> i love goats but what I did not know about goats is that fleas 
love goats. And so while the goats took with them our wisteria and privet problem, they left us with a plague of fleas that in that infected all of the wildlife who kept reinfecting our yard and our dogs. And so for five years, we were richly blessed with the battle of the fleas. So I'm I'm excited that we're going to talk about this. If I would totally use goats again, I would totally do that again. But the moment that they got pulled off the property, the exterminator would be here treating the yard so that we could try to not have that level of infestation again. But I do I do totally love a goat. Oh, I it's do awesome. too. I do too. I love goats. They're, they're so, fantastic. They are. And they'll eat anything. I mean, they're just really fabulous to have around for that kind of thing. For the wisteria and privet demolition, you can't ask for anything better. Okay, on to fleas. Why I wanted to talk about fleas is that you should think about flea prevention, not just in the summer, but year round, because of the way in which fleas reproduce. And the fact is, is that um, in most parts of the United States, your dogs can pick up fleas or ticks in um, summer or winter. So it's really important to think about that kind of prevention. Now, one of the things that, that people say, well, I just found one flea. What's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. And I can tell you why. That the, um, why you don't want fleas is another subject. But what I want to talk about is why you want to prevent them right now. And then we're going to talk about the consequences of not preventing them. Okay. So if you see a flea, that's the least of your problems. Because adult fleas comprise only 5% of the flea problem in your home. And the more important 95% of the flea population lives in your home as flea eggs or larvae in your carpet, on your furniture, in your dog bed, in your bed if your dog sleeps with you. Okay, So the problem is, as this whole dog journal so succinctly states, And I quote, a female flea lays approximately 50 eggs a day. That's 50 eggs a day for 20 days or about a thousand eggs laid before that one flea dies. Right. It takes at least three weeks for each egg to go through three molts and become an adult. Let's say half are female. So now we have 500 fleas laying 50 eggs a day for 20 days. That equals 500,000 flea eggs laid in your home within six weeks of one flea entering your home. Okay, I just all over body shuddered. Yeah. Okay, it gets worse. Hang on. And now my face itches. Yes, well, it's going to get worse. The female half of these 500,000 fleas will lay 50 eggs a day. And before you know it, you are up to 12.5 million flea eggs in your home okay i this is terrifying like why are you enjoying this so much well i'm not enjoying it i find it fascinating and terrifying at the same time it's what flea mageddon yes it is and so what you really want to do if you see a flea you need to act immediately to start eradicating fleas okay now Luckily, there's lots of ways you can do to prevent fleas from happening in your house and to eradicate. I learned this from my vet 
he has a little sign in his office. One of the most effective ways to get to fleas is vacuuming. All of the flea life cycle, the egg, the larvae, and the adult, they don't like vacuums. And so if you vacuum... Like... (laughs) But you... Okay, you need to be thinking in terms of heavy-duty vacuuming every day. And you need to be thinking in terms of getting underneath... Because since the flea larvae don't like light, you have to think in terms of getting underneath sofas and counters and chairs and that kind of stuff because that's where they're going to migrate to. But vacuuming every day can really be an effective way to start managing your flea population. The other thing you can do is make sure that you wash anything that the dog sleeps on in like his bedding or your bedding in hot water to help eliminate things. You do know that this is the, your family dog podcast and these poor people are busy and have like children to chase around. Like, are you I trying get that. to sell Roombas? Um, well, what I would tell you is I have had a flea infestation and I have vacuumed every day oh my for goodness. what seemed like an eternity. And it did make a difference. It really did. I mean, let's put it this way. I am not asking you to vacuum your house thoroughly every day for the rest of your life. I'm asking you to concentrate on doing this for, I don't know, several weeks, but it's not for a lifetime. But one of the things is I was going to say, too, is that if you are not opposed to using some sort of insecticide, because fleas, by the way, now this is my time for my little riff here on the difference between an arachnid and an insect. Okay, An insect has three body parts, six legs, and generally has two sets of wings. Fleas are a wingless insect. Mites and ticks, by the way, are arachnids. They have two body parts. A cephalopod, a head, and a, and a, th- or a cephalothorax, and an abdomen, and they have eight legs. Okay, they are not insects. They are not bugs. They are arachnids, or arthro. They are also they're both in the the order Arthropodia. But anyway, they are not insects. So, but that's just my little riff from being an entomology major in college. So, why do we care about fleas? Well. Fleas are more than just irritants, okay? One of the things, is, and, and you know, you have given us your testimony that if you are bitten by a flea, it hurts and it itches. They secrete a histamine in their um, saliva when they bite you, right? And that is what causes that itching. Some dogs have flea dermatitis, which means that they are allergic and one flea bite can cause just incredible discomfort and pain and sort of uh, out like a one giant hot spot on this dog. So unless you want your dog to be totally uncomfortable, flea prevention is incredibly important. But beyond the fact that they cause incredible discomfort for both humans and dogs, they are also nasty purveyors of really awful diseases. If your dog eats the flea that he's been biting at because it's scratching, he can get tapeworms. Always fun. They can also, but fleas also carry things like bubonic plague, typhus, cat scratch fever, um, and Bartonella, the bacteria, that's what causes cat scratch fever, but there's Rictocelia bacteria that causes fever and systemic illness. Um, the, oh my goodness, this is really gross. Flea-borne diseases you're likely to see in this day and age include parasitic larvae that infect the eye and skin. So, 
is a really good thing to not get fleas. And if you have fleas, to eradicate them in order to prevent some transportation of really nasty illnesses. So there you go, Tina. You want to talk about preventatives? Um, so, um, sure. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I, um, as much as I try to be very, very careful about our dog's health and intake of things, we, we use regular flea and tick prevention and heartworm protection protection. And I try to educate myself as best I can. Those are all you know, those are pretty heavy duty chemicals. Um, I have in the past for flea and ticks treated the house and the property and that worked pretty well. Um, but again, you have to stay on it and then you have chemicals in your house. Now everyone's ingesting. Uh, I have not yet gone the all natural route partially because it's such a big issue if it gets away from you. So I have not committed to that yet. Um, and honestly, I live in Georgia. Someone would have to be really hard pressed to convince me that they could manage fleas and ticks and heartworm with some all natural product. I, I yearn for the day that there is something like that. I just, I don't, I'm not, trusting yet. And that is just my opinion. Like I'm not, if you, if somebody knows of stuff, I think that's great, but I, it's, it's the dog pays the price if I'm wrong. Um, not so, only that, but you could pay the price. Right. If you're wrong. Right. And, and one of the things about flea prevention is you're right. The, a, a lot, I think what most people are using these days are probably sort of oral products. There's NexGuard, Brevecto, Sympartica. There's all different kinds of ones. There's also topical products like Canine Advantics, Frontline. And there's um, long there's Soresto has a collar. So there's a lot of different ways in which you can use a flea preventative. And what's right for your dog, you need to talk to your vet about. Because some of the products work by if the flea or the tick, some of them have tick prevention, some don't. Some work to repel the flea, some that the flea has to bite, the tick has to bite the, the animal in order to ingest the product and die. If your dog has flea dermatitis, and so the bite and of a flea causes... what you have to use, right? Because, absolutely. Because absolutely. you use something that is a... So I have been told, and there may be new products now since I was told this, but Comfortis is your choice if you have a dog with flea allergy dermatitis because the action that it uses to kill off the flea doesn't involve the flea going into convulsions and biting the dog a whole bunch of times. Pesticides used for flea prevention or treatment, um, part of the death of the, the, the agony that the poor little flea goes through is... Um, they go into convulsions and they bite the dog a bunch. And flea allergy dermatitis is actually a dog who's allergic to flea saliva, as I understand it. So, which apparently is what I'm allergic to, too. Apparently I'm allergic to flea saliva. Lucky me. So, um, <laughs> I wonder so, if there's a test they can do for that. What do they put you in a room with a whole bunch of fleas and see what happens? Okay. I thought we were friends. <laughs> like you're making me itchy with this whole conversation. <laughs> 
And and then you're like, oh, and by the way, let's put you in a bathtub filled with fleas and see how that goes. So did you know that cat fleas and dog fleas are different? You know, I wouldn't be surprised, but I can't say that I knew that positively. So they are. So the bigger black fleas are dog fleas. And they spend most, it's my understanding, spend most of their time on the dog. Cat fleas are those little teeny tiny brownish red ones. And those spend most of their time in the environment. So depending on which one you have, you treat them differently. So I thought that was fascinating. That is fascinating. I don't think I knew that. So that is good to know. Yes. I have a, a good friend who is an exterminator who gave me all sorts of edumacation on, on fleas. And now, my understanding print. too, is I think there is a flea preventative or a flea treatment that kind of like sterilizes the adults so that if they lay, they lay unfertile eggs or something. I don't know. So, I could be wrong about so that. So I don't know. I want to, I want to say Comfortis. We probably need someone who knows what they're talking about to be on this podcast, but um, Comfortis, <laughs> I want to say, does something to the gut of the flea that they can't process blood and get nutrients. And so they just starve and die. That, that it, it impacts the gut of the flea, which is why there's not convulsions. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know the action. Uh, although the idea of impotent fleas makes me giddy. Right. <laughs> yes. And why have we not worked on this with mosquitoes? Like, yep. I, I don't know. I could be hallucinating. This might just be a wish on my part. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I could be just, Julie had a dream. I have a dream of impotent fleas. Um, but there's something in the back of my mind that says, no, I think there is one of these products and I don't know which one it is. So I, I can't actually I mean, imagine any level of authority. Of I mean, what if they just put authority? All- male fleas in menopause and they were just too angry to hook up with their partners. That would be another way. That's right. But the problem is they might end up being hangry. Well, and and then (laughs) langry because they never get to sleep and they would only live in cold climates because they can't survive anywhere warm. That's right. So we have these menopausal fleas that that bite the crap out of you day and night because they can't sleep. (laughs) Menopausal Please, there you find them around sn- salty snacks and chocolate. That's and, right, and wine. In, in, that, that's right. In cold climate, in ski chalets, in cold climates, right? So, a little disclaimer to our, to people listening to the <laughs> podcast. So, over COVID, a whole bunch of people got dogs, and and apparently didn't realize that all of those problems that they were seeing niggling away at the edges, that those were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now that people are vaccinated and the world's opening up and it's a bright, sunshiny day, dog trainers are losing our minds because people are bringing us these like really complicated cases. Oh yes. Oh yes. There aren't easy answers. And they're like, well, you're the dog trainer. Fix it. That's right, because I have to go to work next week. Right, like I prepared <laughs> my dog to be alone, and we're I have to travel starting next week. Yeah, and, I've got. And my dog hates anyone new, or or the dog 
who hasn't been taught how to be contained in any way whatsoever in 14 months. It's yes. super fun. So, so that's yeah. why we're just a little bit loopy. A little punchy. We're a little punchy. Yeah. So okay. So, anyway, so, so so let's let's summarize, please. In the first place, one of the other things is, is if you decide that you she there's a there is a spray that she recommends that you can use in your home. She does not recommend bombing your home. She does recommend if you have a bad infestation in your in your yard, you talk to an exterminator. But if you've got a bright sunny yard, it will probably clear up fairly quickly on its own. But her favorite spray is called Knockout by Verbeck. And what she says is that used as directly, this product is considered safe. You and your pets should not contact sprayed services until they are completely dry, however. So ver- this knockout spray will hopefully work. You just need to let it dry before you touch it. So, But if you don't want to do that, one of the things that you need to do is get your dog on an, or your cat on an effective preventative because eventually that will cure your problem in six to seven months. Right. What, so you're crying into a box wine while mainstreaming M&Ms. Right. 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 So. And being um, bitten by these hangry. So, so again, my. Female fleas. You know, the angry menopausal fleas. <laughs> so, um, so my parents bred and showed dogs since 1979. Um, they occasionally would have a flea issue. Again, it was 1979. Flea prevention was a different thing back then. Um, and we did bomb the house. I mean, not like we didn't go nuclear or anything, but we, we used flea bombs. And I will say it was highly effective. Um, you had to wash everything, right? We also, I will say, did not have an arachnid for like, I don't know, 10 years. Like no no spiders and i'm oddly fond of spiders um so so yeah i've never used a flea bomb i kind of view those as going away like more like 70s 80s i think we have better um with other options that are better i would agree I would What's agree. interesting about the chemicals that exterminators use, as it was explained to me by my friend who's an exterminator, um, is that they reactivate. So the chemical actually has a property where it is treating the environment more than just once so that it's helping with that life cycle that's so difficult. So it's not... right. Um, so it's, it's giving a lot more protection than it is. And to be clear, it, I had birds, right? Birds are crazy sensitive, um, to chemicals and these chemicals did not hurt the birds, did not hurt my cats or dogs or us as far as I know. I mean, there's that one dog that has an extra tail, but we don't talk about that. (laughs) Nothing to do with the flea and tick prevention. Um, so, you know, we didn't. I will say, like many of these, the things that exterminators can use are very green products that are designed to, you know, we talk about in dog training being Lima. I I think that that is happening, that same kind of idea of least, uh, least aversive in the environment is, is a thing. Um, I, you, you might want to tell them what Lima is for so, those who don't know. 
Lima is least least invasive, minimally aversive. Right. So it's not that your dog can't hear the word no. They can. Right. We might move the dog to a spot where they're more able to be successful so we can reward them for making great decisions. So we I think we covered fleas pretty well that. If you do, don't want to use sprays or bombs in your house, and I agree, I don't think bombs are, are really the way to go anymore, um, you can get rid of the problem eventually, it just will take longer, by using effective plea, free prevention on all of your pets, cats, dogs. I don't know if guinea pigs get fleas, but anyway, because it will eventually eliminate all the adult fleas so they're not laying any more eggs. It just takes a lot longer when you do it that way. But you're going to be vacuuming, so that's going to help too. So now with ticks, ticks are a little bit different. They, um, uh, the thing about ticks is they also, the one reason why you really want to be careful about ticks is they give some really nasty diseases to both adult, both humans and pets. Lyme disease probably being the most prevalent across the United States. And having been treated for Lyme disease, Zuzu's had to be treated for Lyme disease. Brad's been treated for Lyme disease. And what I would say is one of the reasons why you want to prevent it is while your dog can be treated and it can be very effective, she was um, she did not tolerate doxycycline, which is the um, antibiotic that's used most often with Lyme disease. So they put her on amoxicillin, which, FYI, is just as effective in the treatment of Lyme disease as doxycycline. It's just not the first preferred one, which I thought was very interesting. Anyway, the thing about Lyme disease that I didn't know until Zuzu got it was that it's accumulative. So you treat it and you bring your numbers down, but you never actually kind of get rid of it. So every six months, Zuzu has to go in and have a blood test to her titers for Lyme. Because if she gets bitten again and gets Lyme disease again, it will probably escalate and we won't be able to bring it as far down and she will begin to have more serious consequences from Lyme disease. So you really want to prevent it. So right now I am, um, and I thought I had been careful about giving Zuzu her um, flea and tick medication, but apparently I was not as good as I thought I was and she got it. So now I am absolutely sort of militaristic about making sure she gets her flea and tick medication every month. Because I don't want her to suffer from the consequences of me not paying close attention to what she's getting. So, and I don't know if Lyme disease works the way, the same way in people. But what I do know is that last summer, Lyme disease basically took two months of Brad's life. He was just, he was incredibly sore and incredibly tired and, um, just his joints ached, and luckily we found out what was going on. We got him on doxycycline for 28 days, and that knocked it out of the park for him. And um, when I had it, um, I don't think I had it quite as severely as he did, but I had a rash that covered my entire body, and we still don't know. The other thing is ticks can carry Rocky Mountain spotted fever or ehrlichiosis, which your dogs can also get. And so I either had Lyme disease or ehrlichiosis, or Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. We didn't do the final test because they're all treated the same with doxycycline. But these are all diseases that can cause some really serious long-term consequences. 
So once again, what you want to do is just make sure that your dog is protected against this so that you don't have to, um, she, so she or he does not have to suffer from the consequences of this disease, and nor do you. So Well, and there's that new tick disease that makes you basically allergic to meat. Really? Yes. I don't know it's about that nasty, one. And there's not a treatment, as my understanding is. Wow. So it's a new kind of tick that um, I never heard. Of. I didn't heard about this one. Was first found in I want to say Virginia, and it's spreading very quickly. Let me see if I can find it on a quick Google search. Um, so Dr. Jean Dodds from Hemopet has some articles about flea and tick prevention, both traditional flea and tick prevention and a more holistic route. Um, I wonder if Dr. Becker will talk to us about that when she comes on, too. That would be great. And one of the things that we should probably do is have links to, we'll have a link to the Whole Dog Journal article. We'll have a link to these two articles that you're talking about. So Alpha alpha Gal Syndrome is a recently identified type of food allergy to red meat and other products made from mammals. In the United States, the condition most often begins when a Lone Star tick bite someone. The tick, uh, the bite transmits a sugar molecule called alpha-gal into the person's body. That's from the Mayo Clinic. So it's, it's wow. like this new thing and it's get the Lone Star tick, which I'm going to assume at least at some point was in Texas. No, it's called the Lone Star tick because it has on its back, a single mark that looks like a star. Okay, you told me you didn't know about any of this, and now you're correcting me. Well, when no, I'm I know. Teasing. I don't know anything about the the new <laughs> disease. I do know stuff about ticks and 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 um and uh, fleas because I I know about them. I don't necessarily know everything about them, but I do. But I've also seen Lone Star ticks. So and that's why they're called that. It doesn't have spurs and hum. I have spurs that jingle, that jingle, jangle, jingle. It might, but why it's biting you? It's more like I've got teeth that jingle, jingle, jingle. So I, maybe you're a, I mean, you're correcting me a lot today. So maybe you'll correct me on this too. Um, it's my understanding that the tick prevention that we generally use here in the United States the goal is not really prevention. It's to kill the tick before the tick can transmit disease. Yes, so, that is my understanding as well. And that it takes 24 hours for, for a tick to transmit disease to the host. So just because you're on, if you see a tick on your dog or your cat, it does not mean that your flea and tick preventative isn't working. It just means that it's inside of that 24-hour window. Is that correct? That is my understanding. I have one minor correction to that. And this is only from my own personal experience. From when I was, I knew when I was bit by, bitten by the tick, okay? Because I, I was sitting up on Sugarloaf watching my dog run around. And I felt, I felt something fall down my back, right? As I was on the phone with a client. And then that night I woke up and, and was itching and I said, Brad, Brad. And of course I whacked him, Brad, get this thing off my back. And it was a tick who had attached and had been sucking on my back. It was less than 24 hours. I still got 
some sort of tick-borne disease. And if you go to any legitimate Lyme disease site, they will tell you that everybody says, if you get the tick off within 24 hours, your chances of getting the disease are greatly decreased. They are not eliminated. And one of the things is, is I don't think we can say for sure that 24 hours is this magic time period. Because a lot of people who pick up Lyme or pick up tick-borne diseases don't know exactly or if they were even bitten by a tick. So how do we know how long the tick was on them if we don't even know when the tick bite occurred? I was lucky because I knew exactly when the tick bite occurred, and it was within 30 days that I developed this terrible rash and all these symptoms. But my tick was on me for less than 24 hours. So I think in general, yes, 24 hours is a good window within which you are probably safe. It is not a guarantee. Gotcha. Because, yeah, I always wonder why. I'm here to give you all the happy facts. Yes, I've noticed that. Like, you're just a ray of sunshine today with your your tick and flea infestation information. Yes. Do we want to talk about scabies? Hey, I mean, <laughs> sure. I bet. I know. If you were, I know if, nothing about it. If a listener, except that it's if a listener were it's caused by mites. Itchy. Well, I mean, should we take? We could talk about lice. I mean, let's just. I've never had experience with. I've never had experience with lice, but they're awful, nasty little things too. My only experience with lice was um, with poor, sweet foster children. It was a lot. Um, So, yes, I'm happy to talk about scabies, having had some experience. It was horrible. It was it was terrible. It was very uncomfortable. We- okay, it says here, and this is the article comes right after the flea and tick the flea article is sarcopic mange or scabies. It says here, although perhaps not as common today because of advancement in flea and tick preventatives, some of which control for the mange mite, Canine scabies should be on the radar for those of us who use a flea preventative that doesn't control for mange mites, or those of us who are forgetful about administering preventative regularly to their dogs. Okay, So, how do you know if your flea preventative has control over mange mites? I guess you take a look at the box or you ask your vet, huh? Yes. I would say yes, that that would be the number one way to find out. And I would okay. assume that most of them do. I'll, oh, although wow. I know some people use like diatomaceous earth to. Yes. And I don't know if that does or not. I also know people who use geranium oil as a flea and tick preventative, but you can't put that directly on the dog because it's apparently quite abrasive. You have to put it like on their collar, and it's the scent of it that apparently drives these things away, but you got to be very careful you don't get the oil on the skin of the dog, because that can be ir- an irritant to the dog's skin. Well, and In this scabies article... Say, this is where I'm going to say cats are like, you need to clear anything, if you have cats in the household, even even your dogs, like any the internet can tell you anything including crazy things. So... Really? Always, crazy stuff! Always check to make sure these things are actually safe for cats and dogs and kids in your household, right? Like 
hemlock is a naturally occurring substance. It doesn't mean it's safe. Right. And lily of the valley. That's a highly poisonous plant. So anyway, it smells good, but it's highly poisonous. Okay, so do you know how dogs get mites? I have a little answer here for you. No, I do not. It says here, the mite has a host preference for canids, including dogs, with fox and coyote serving as significant reservoirs. If an infected fox sniffs around garbage bins or decking, for example, you may now have mites in your environment. Or your dog sticks his head in a hole that turns out to be a coyote or fox den, and voila, your dog can contract scabies. Then, when she scratches herself, mites drop off into the environment. And if she's spending time in a place frequented by other dogs, she becomes, your dog potentially becomes a super spreader, passing on her mites to other dogs she encounters. Mite survivability off host is typically only a few days, although they are infective in the environment for about 36 hours. Once on board, mites tunnel into the dog's skin, producing an intense itch. The mites are typically found on areas where there is less hair, such as ear flaps, margins of the ears, lateral elbows, hocks, and the belly. Lesions, crusting, hair loss, and a thick crust along the pineal ear flap soon develop. The itch caused by the bite of the scabies mite differs in intensity from even seriously flea-allergic dogs. In the exam room, for example, it's non-stop scratching a 10 on the itch scale. So... Did you find that to be true? Would you have said it wasn't a 10 on your itch scale? Yes. It was difficult to sleep. Right? It was it was awful. And it felt like it went on forever. I just remember, like, our bedding and our clothing and, like, everything had to be laundered over and over and over again. It was just awful. How did you eventually get rid of it? I don't remember. Like, I was a little kid. I just remember it was terrible. And it was embarrassing. I bet. bet. And I don't, I want to say we were at my, we were visiting my grandmother's, which makes me think we got an exposure at a dog show. Ah, that's interesting. This was Catholic Mange. Did you know that there's another mange? Well, Demodetic right. mange. Right. I mean, Demodex mites are always on us and our dogs and are generally not a problem. Just an overgrowth is a problem. Yeah, that's the most and common form itch. of mange in dogs. And it doesn't itch, right? So Demodeptic mange, um, the dog's not itchy. They just have, like, you'll typically see it in adolescent puppies or dog puppies that are really stressed where they get like naked patches on their face or on their extremities. Um, that's Demodex. And, and I've had it explained to me that like when your eyelashes itch, that's an overgrowth of Demodeptic mange. You scratch the itch that kills off mites and then you're back in balance again. So it's not contagious it like most of the time, assuming that we've reduced stress for the animal, their immune system will fight it off. They're not itchy. It's usually not a problem. 
Taken to an extreme, though, in coyotes, it results in the chupacabra. <laughs> so those, the videos and the photos you see of those animals that have, like, very sparse hair that in Texas and Louisiana that they're like, oh, it's a chupacabra. It's, it's that is a coyote with demodeptic mange. All right. Who, who knew? You apparently knew. I did not know all this. Listen, this is I, am, I am a vaunt of useless information in a whole host of directions. Okay. I well, I have good news for those of you who are fighting mange, right? Usually, for a long time, off-label doses of ivermectin was used. But now, more recently, happy days, I can't pronounce this, isozazolines have been named game changers in the treatment of mange. They work quickly and effectively. In most cases, a single treatment is all that is necessary to clear sarcoptic mange mites. Man, that okay. would have been a deal changer. Oral medications, Sympartica, Nexgard, Cordelio, and Brevecto are used off-label in the U.S. for this indication, but are, improved, but are approved in Europe for the treatment of sarcoptic mange. So my dogs, are they do get Nexgard. On a daily, on a monthly basis, it says here for the demodectic mange, poor nutrition, stress, exposure to the elements, and a lack of clean places to live all contribute to the immune system depression that can lead to an overgrowth of demodex. So you can think about it. The chupacabra, I would not think, has very good nutrition. It's probably highly stressed. Is exposed to the elements and has a lack of a clean place to live. So. That in combination with a is with a consistent um, population of the demodex mites, you have the chupacabra. Right. Wow. Okay. So, did you want to talk? Did we so so far we covered fleas, ticks, and mites, all of which can probably be controlled effectively in your dog with a good flea and tick preventative. Um, but certainly talk with your vet about what's appropriate for your particular dog. We can't, we are not vets. We cannot give veterinary advice and we certainly can't tell you what's right for your dog, but you and your vet can figure out the best solution to making sure that your dog does not have to suffer from any of these terribly itchy problems. So, and I will say like when you bring a, a puppy or a rescue into your home, even visiting animals, it's important to like make sure that sarcoptic mange isn't coming into your home or fleas and ticks are not coming into your home. Because I have seen over and over again, a family bring a dog home from the shelter that's itchy and they think, oh, it's just Demodex. And I'm like, mm, Demodex doesn't itch. And sure enough, the dog ends up having sarcoptic mange which, you know, can then become scabies in your children, like not fun stuff. So um, making sure that, you know, you've quarantined a little bit and a word we're all painfully familiar with at this point and that we're keeping things separate and making sure that that animal is free from parasites, not just intestinal, but also, you know, um, topical is an important um, an important part of transitioning that animal into your living space safely and comfortably for everyone. 
Absolutely. Because, well, dogs are very successful at living with people, and they, they don't transmit a whole lot of diseases to us. The problem is they can share parasites with us. And parasites, and that's due to the adaptability of the parasite, which is kind of evolutionarily sort of cool. But um, not cool in the sense of getting a disease from them. But anyway, um, I'm just going to leave that, that, that aside. Okay, so with that... The only other parasite I can think of we might want to talk about is lice, but I know nothing whatsoever about lice. So if you wanted to talk about lice, we're happy to do so. Or we can leave that for yet another podcast. It was really yucky when we when my kiddos um, came home from school with lice and treating it was embarrassing and horrible can, and sad. Did it transfer to the dogs at all? No. No. Okay, do, can and, dogs get and lice? And I was grateful that we apparently caught it early um but yeah the it just it was yucky although again like i haven't you know my kids are my daughter's 31 so it was a long time ago i'm sure there's better treatment protocols today than there were back then um that you know make it easier for parents but as i remember it that's why you don't borrow someone else's hairbrush or their hat or yeah bring i bring my own helmet thank you i'm not using someone else's helmet um because it gives me the creepers that i don't i don't want lice lice is nasty and itchy and gross and embarrassing yes so okay then Best avoided. All of this stuff is best avoided. Um, the good news is that even if these things do happen, the vast majority of them are treatable, except for that meat thing, which sounds awful. Um, not being able to eat red meat and other Wouldn't mammalian that be products. Terrible? I don't know what yeah, I Yeah, probably would. Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. I try to. I'm fairly vegan ish these days, but I do enjoy steak on occasion. So, anyway. My doctor would prefer that I go totally vegan for my arthritis, but um, I can't quite do that. Because if I go totally vegan, then Brad and I simply cannot eat together. Because our, our diets just would not overlap at all. So, anyway, I like things like quinoa and stuff, and he doesn't. So, anyway, be that as it may, thank you so much for tuning in once again to Your Family Dog. And we hope that we didn't give you all the heebie-jeebies and send you... You know, what I hope is that we did not inflict on you on the first-year medical student phenomenon, which is every time they read about the disease, they think that they have the symptoms. So I hope we don't do that to you. But we, I do hope that it encourages you to listen to us and to uh, continue to support us and like us on Facebook or wherever it is that you get your podcast. Give us a five-star review so that others can find us, and they, too, can learn all about scabies and mange and flea and tick prevention because these are important things for dogs and remember because fleas and ticks and especially the flea eggs and larvae would love to live in your warm comfortable house all year round don't stop your flea and tick prevention just because the weather gets cold well and you need to continue it and for you know our regular listeners, you might want to send us topic ideas so that we stop letting Julie pick topics. Because <laughs> when when I'm like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And Julie's like, let's talk about fleas. Like, 
if you don't if you don't want this kind of content, like email us, Facebook us, give us ideas of what you want us to talk to you about, <laughs> so that you don't have to listen to you know the difference between an arachnid and an insect. Though yes, I but these are important. Fascinating. Dif- yes. Anyway, it's it's a big thing to me, but uh, just ask my family. Okay, so thanks, Tina, for another exciting episode of Your Family Dog, and we'll see you all next time when we won't be talking about fleas, ticks, um, mites, or lice. Instead, we'll hopefully be talking a happy subject, like, oh, I don't know, dog bites. (laughs) So thanks, and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.